Hi, I'm Chris Klink, and you're listening to my Writing Table Podcast. Patty Dawson is the best-selling author of nine novels, all about love and trouble and a little bit of magic. She was born to a family of storytellers, all of them hilarious, outrageous, and unwilling to let the truth get in the way of a good story. With that kind of upbringing, how could she possibly do anything else? After a career in newspapers where the truth was important, she switched to fiction. And now she lives full-time with characters living inside her head and then escaping onto the page. Welcome, Maddie. Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you, Chris. I hear you have a new book. Tell us about it. Well, it's called The Magic of Found Objects. And it's about a woman who was conceived at Woodstock. Her parents should never have met He was a farmer's son from New Hampshire, 18 years old, taking a trip, you know, to Woodstock. And her mother was this hippie artist and they met and sort of had this instant attraction, fell in love, and she got pregnant with twins. So being an honorable farm boy, he stayed on and married her. He was mesmerized by the music and the mud and all of the whole scene that was going on. And nine months later, these babies are born and he stays because they weren't really ever really matched together. It ended up breaking up and he went back to the New Hampshire farm and ended up getting divorced and marrying his longtime girlfriend who he had left to go to Woodstock. You know, she had just decided not to go. Worst mistake of her life. It's told from the point of view of Franzi, who's the one who was born after that little liaison. And And how she's kind of confused about love. She's raised by this practical stepmother whom she loves. And yet her magical, crazy hippie mother also has a big influence on her. The book takes place in 2006. And her best friend asks her, he says, we're sick of dating. Why don't we get married? You know, we are best friends. It's going to work out perfectly. So the book is about figuring out, do you settle for practicality and sort of the safety that comes with being with this person who's your best friend in the whole world? Or do you wait for the magic? She would wake me up in the middle of the night. I know you're a writer too. Do you have this happen to you? Yes, those are the best ideas. They are, because they are always right. It turns out the characters know the book and we don't. I have a character in my first book named Bianca, kind of the sidekick character. Uh She woke me up at four in the morning. When a character shakes you out of bed, it's that sometimes we get little things. You're like, oh, I can probably remember this till the next morning. I better get my butt out of bed because this is really important. And that was what <laughs> Isn't it awful when you wake up in the morning and you remember that you didn't get up and write down something and it's gone? Yeah. Because often that happens to me with the side characters where they want to be maybe more of a main character. Was Bianca trying to take over the book? No, Bianca was not even in the, in the book yet. She came like a freight train and she was just intriguing and sweet and one of those characters that you think is just kind of like wallpaper but Mm -hmm. then as you get further down the road you know they're there for a really important reason i think it's what makes writing fun are those little surprises that come there's a quote and i'll forget who it is he said that writing is like driving at night in the fog you can only see as far as your headlights but you can go the whole distance that way and that's so true, but it takes an enormous amount of trust. There has to be a connection to the characters and the stories we tell and our subconscious because there's so much of it as writers, we can't explain where it comes from. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's so interesting how people will ask, you know, well, how much of this is your own life? And you think, well, all of it is 
little glimmers, but none of it happened to me, actually. (laughs) You sprinkled magic in your books. What is it about the magical piece that intrigues you and makes you want to put it in your books? That is such a good question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me before. I have written nine books. I'm now writing my 10th one. And the first ones never had any kind of magic in them. But then it actually happened in 2016, which was when I felt like people got so angry, no matter what political side they were on, you know, there was just a sudden distrust and anger back Mm -hmm. and forth. And I didn't know how to cope with it, you know, and I just kind of went in my room and started writing this book about magic called Matchmaking for Beginners. And I thought it was a really silly book. You know, I was like, okay, this is just a little fun thing that I'm doing. I'm never going to show it to anybody. You know, it's not going to be really a thing. And the book nearly wrote itself. And when I got done with it and I turned it into my editor, she was like, this book. And everywhere it went, it made just waves. It ended up selling 300,000 copies and it just took off. And I thought, wow. And I got letters from people saying I was hungry for this kind of idea. The universe exists and that it's for our good and that love exists. Everyone deserves love. And that was kind of the the point of it. So I was really surprised because I was more influenced by, you know, literary fiction where everything is a little ambiguous and, you know, not really fun. So it was so much fun to just write a book that was kind of crazy in the way I wish the world was. The main character in that book has a saying, whatever happens, love that. I love that. That is such a cool saying. I love that saying too. And people say, do you live that way? Well, no, but I try. (laughs) I don't know about your world, but I feel like everybody that I know, particularly women, I'll go around talking about the universe and signs as though it's like a real thing. Like, oh, a cardinal flew by and I knew that was my mother saying, you know, I'm a cardinal girl. I go on a bike ride with my cardinals and I, I know it's going to be a good day when I've seen at least one. But how many people have cardinals as their symbol? We all are looking for something to give us some hope. You know? We are. And something that just makes us feel like we're not alone and that other people are going through these kind of things too. I mean, it kind of grounds us, I think. I think so too. And it reminds us that we're not in control of everything. Tell me what scenes are the most fun for you to write. What scenes are the most fun? I love writing the scenes where there is a little bit of magic. You know, being a nice Southern girl, I was raised that you don't have conflict. You just don't. You just kind of bury everything. So that took me a long time to be able to write that in books. And I'd have people thinking things. And then the editors would say, no, no, no. They need to say those things. (laughs) You can't just think it. They don't do that in real life. People don't do that. But now I'm getting into where I can kind of do it and love it, you know? So those those are really fun. I love the scenes where something's really happening and where you build it to kind of a... That's what I think readers like is that crescendo where it builds yeah. up. I know it's coming. And, and then the rule is, as you know, you know, we have to make them wait, which is so hard for me because I'm the type that goes and buys everybody Christmas presents and then wants to give them immediately. You know, can't keep a secret, wants to show everyone. I hate waiting. I hate suspense. And so I always want to divulge things way too soon in the plot. You know, like once I know it, I want everybody to know it. So that is like therapy for me to learn, to wait and to build up the suspense and to make it really plausible. This is why you don't write suspense. Exactly. What surprised you most about the writing life? I think the true thing that surprised me was that it doesn't get any easier. 
I hate to say that. I don't mean to complain about writing because it's the greatest and I've wanted to do it since I was six years old. And I feel so lucky to be able to live this life. But I would have thought that each book would get a little easier than the last. And it's like each one is a whole graduate seminar, again, you know, of relearning and figuring out the characters and which I think is what makes it interesting. I think if we were writing formula fiction, maybe that would be true. It would, you know, you'd go, okay, so this person's name is Sam, Sam Jones. Okay. And you just have to change the name. But I love the surprise of it. I love the surprise as I'm writing the things like you were saying that wake us up in the middle of the night, the character telling us the news that like they drop news into us. And my characters always are awake and moving around in the middle of the night. They won't tell me things in the daytime when my hands are on the keyboard. But, you know, at night, there'll be a little tap on the shoulder like and it'll be like, oh, I forgot to say I have a brother and he's coming to live with me. And you're laying there going, no. Will it be here in the morning? Yeah. If I get up, will I get back to sleep? Will I be useless tomorrow? Exactly. Exactly. And then you're thinking, no, you do not have a brother, by the way. And she's like, oh, yes, I do. And here's his part in the plot. I was also surprised how much more fun I have rewriting than doing the original writing. Mm. It takes me forever to eliminate all the possibilities and get to what the story is. But once I'm rewriting, I'm like having the best time. Revision is my favorite. I was a journalist for 30 years. And so I find that I have this kind of hurry up sense to my writing, you know, like, oh, I got to get get it out there. You know, I don't. So it's kind of different being a reporter and coming to writing from that. I've heard about Ernest Hemingway and his writing for the, I think it was the Kansas City. I can't remember what the Kansas City paper was. Uh, there was a style sheet that had like 31 things based on the economy of the word. Do you find that that has affected your fiction writing? A little, a little. I tend to write long sentences and that can be like almost stream of consciousness kind of sentences. And what I loved about reporting was that I had to stick to a basic kind of thing. What I hated about reporting was that it all had to be true. I was a feature reporter, so I would go out to do feature stories and I would think, it would be so much more interesting <laughs> if you would say this. Could you say this? Please say this. Please say this. And they never would. That kind of drove me to fiction where I could make it happen the way I wanted it. The world just didn't organize itself the way my brain thought it should be. <laughs> so when you say it doesn't get any easier, when you're doing that first draft, how long does it take from, you know, you've got some notes and the germ of an idea and to where you feel like, okay, that first draft is done. That's an interesting question. Do you do that? Do you really write one draft all the way through and then start on draft two and do that one all the way through and draft three? Because I feel like I'm constantly going back and realizing new things and correcting. I mean, on any given day, today, for instance, I was dabbling in page one, you know? And oh, I, I always go back to page one. Page, page one, one gets written 5,000 uh, times. Yeah. That's got to grab them. And if there's a piece or a sentiment at the beginning. Yeah. I want to carry it over to the end and that can change as the story changes. It does. It does. So I've never really been able to get, you know, a complete first draft that's really first drafty. Page one, as we're saying, is the five thousandths draft and probably page 50 is the 500th draft. (laughs) So it just kind of keeps going and going and going. And I'm constantly making new decisions and I'm so affected by what's happening around me and other things that I'm reading and TV shows that I'm watching and songs I hear on the radio and conversations I overhear. I think, oh yeah. I mean, in a way, it's like I'm experiencing the world 
through that character's eyes instead of my own eyes for a long time. Like nine months I go through and I'm seeing everything through Franzi's eyes rather than my own. And what would she experience with this? Which is so fun. And Tyler wrote a thing once that I read that said that she likes being a writer because she didn't want to have only one life. And I think that's me too. I like to be in other people's heads. And that's where the fun is for me. How long does it take you to get it ready to send to your editor? Well, I'm writing for Lake Union and they give me deadlines. They give me contracts and deadlines, which thank goodness they do because (laughs) I would be wandering around going, page two, you know, forever. (laughs) And I'll just wait for two months until I know what happens next, you know, so I can't really let it simmer a while. So I really have to write a book pretty much in a year and I can do that. And luckily then it goes through a developmental edit and it gives me a chance to really go in because the books come to me in layers. You know, the story doesn't come straight. Another layer will show up. And I love that. I don't think I would like to just do a book straight through and then hand it in and have it be the way it ends up. It's too important to me that the characters have nuance and layers. It's like making a new friend. Like you may know their most obvious motivations, but you don't know that thing that they don't tell anyone and you have to be around them for a while. I always say that same thing that it's like getting to know a human friend Mm -hmm. and you may sit and write down all the characteristics of them that you know, but there's so many more layers that only come out once they take over. Writing is so much a trust, you know, just letting the characters tell you the story after you've created them. I've had to stop in the middle of a scene and open a new document and say, why are you in my book? (laughs) I type that at the top. And then I just wait and they tell me why they're there. And I go, okay, all right, now I know you. You know, you said it doesn't get any easier. Do you find yourself like getting in that messy middle? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And I don't know about you, but I have been known to fire myself. Occasionally, I just say, you know what? There's got to be an easier job for you. Why you write nonfiction essays for a while? Because I did those for years. You know, I wrote humor essays about parenting that were in Working Mother magazine. Go do that. But there's something about this that I can't really let go of. And the hardness is kind of the challenge and the joy of it too, you know. But I also find the messy middles are really, really tough. And then when you finally get beyond that and you finish the book, I guess this is a surprise too. There's rarely that whoosh of, wow, I did it. Mostly it's, I wish it had said one more thing, you know, and I read once most novels are abandoned instead of finished. And there's a quote, a wonderful quote by somebody that says, you don't finish your novel. It's finally, you just can't think of anything more to say and you stop. (laughs) But then once it gets printed, that's when you think of that other brilliant thing. How do you stay motivated to keep writing? Well, as I said, I fire myself and then some other character shows up, you know, that's the crazy thing about it is that a new situation will kind of come and suddenly there's somebody in my head, whether I'm taking a shower, I find water really, it must be the negative ions of water or something, but suddenly these feelings just come flooding in and I'll feel like, oh, this is another voice talking and I, I need to listen. And so for a while I listen and make little notes and then One day I'll just sit down and start to write tentatively. And then by the time I'm like at page 20, I go, okay, this is a book. And I kind of know the beginning. I kind of know the end. I don't have any idea how we're getting from here to there. You know, I say it's like starting out in LA driving and you're, you know, you're going to drive to Manhattan, 
but you don't know what part of Kansas you're going through. You know, are you going to see the big ball of string? Are you stopping in Cleveland? What does your writing day look like? A lot like procrastination, right, at this point. A little problem I have that I'm trying to work on is that I want to write in the middle of the night. You know, as I'm getting into bed and closing my eyes, my book is like a movie playing in my head. If I get up and go in and write till three or four in the morning, I get so much done because I think I don't really believe in the internet in the middle of the night. I don't think it's on. But if during the day, the internet is intruding, phone calls are happening. There's so much else that I can't kind of concentrate. And actually I have to use this app called the Freedom app. My husband's like, wait, we pay for the internet and then we pay for an app to turn off the internet? Who do you like to read? I love to read all different kinds of books. I have to be careful, you know, when I'm writing because books crawl into my head and stay there. And I love a lot of contemporary, you know, modern romantic kind of fiction, but voice is always the most important thing to me. Lately, this is crazy, but I've been reading a lot of Ann Tyler. Mm -hmm. She does such a great job with characters and such a great job of putting you in this mindset of a character. So whenever I get stuck. You know, I can go and read a little of her and then I'm like wanting to write again. I have to read people that make me want to write. I know so many people who say they can't listen or read anything. And I, I can, but I have to be careful what I'm taking in. I really, really do. And I love that that jump starts the process for me. What are you reading now? Well, I'm blurbing a lot of books right now. So they're books that haven't come out yet. Carrie Ann King. Oh, I love Carrie Ann. I love her books. It's called Other People's Things Mm -hmm. and it's coming out September 1st. And I love this book. It's just fantastic. And she also has like a little bit of magic in her books. And um, this book is about objects that know that they need to be somewhere else. And I'm reading a book called Bad Luck Bridesmaid that I'm just about at the end of. And it's a romantic comedy about a woman who every time she's a bridesmaid, the wedding doesn't happen. So it's very interesting. Her name is Allison Rose Greenberg. And I'm almost at the end of that. She's responsible for keeping me from writing my own book. I I hold her (laughs) responsible. And Sarah Confino, she wrote a book that's coming out August 1st. Also, her book is also about being a bridesmaid. So these fun wedding stories, you know, are really really great. It's a book about being a bridesmaid five times in a summer. And she's, you know, bridezilla brides and all that. So that's fun to read, fun to read. And she writes in such an entertaining style. Well, what was the best writing advice you've received? The best writing advice I've received is to separate out the writing from the editing, you know, to really let yourself write a messy draft, put everything in it that you want. You can always weed them out and always take things away. But if you try to edit while you're writing, you will be so harsh with yourself. It's really hard to separate those two functions, I find. You know, the editor lives right there in our brain, right next to the writer. And you have to send the editor away, you know, send her out for ice cream or something. And then just write the book, even if you know it's terrible. It's really hard to write terrible, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I want to write the final draft first. And I don't see any reason why that is impossible. I just want to. It seems like it should be. That's what I think after 10 books, you should be able to write the final draft first. But you can't. You have to write it badly and then you can write it better after. I think readers think that though. But even our family members feel like it's typing. Like you can go in and type your... You're just typing your book, something. 
they don't understand that all has to come from somewhere and unwillingly it comes. (laughs) Maddie, thank you so much for spending time with us. And I'm so excited to read your new book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been such fun. It's really so fun to talk to another writer about writing because it's the craziest life ever, isn't it? It is. I love doing this because I think that it helps new writers find out that, you know, it's one thing when you think you're the only one that these things happen to. Right. But when you find out that somebody who's on their 10th book is still in the same trench with you at the same point in their book, I think it gives you some reassurance. My first book took me 17 years to write. And it's true, it was 17 years. It wasn't that I was writing every day or even every year, but it stayed in the drawer and I would pull it out and I would get to the end of it and then I would start over because it's I had no idea what I was doing. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And finally, after 17 years, I sent it to an agent and a bidding war happened. You know, it was just like this amazing thing. It sold within a week and that happens. It happens way more than we think. Don't give up. Well, we're glad you didn't give up. And I mean, look at what happened 17 years for your first book and you're writing your 10th now. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is the most fun life ever. To learn more, visit maddiedawson.com. Music by Pavel Uden and photography by Casey Meineke. Sound editing by Podcast Engineers. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button and consider leaving a review. 